All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. Today, we're talking about the good and bad news from the Falcons Thursday injury report and how it affects their week one matchup against Seattle. We'll get into a listener question about Stephen Means and Dion Buchanan. And we'll also talk about the Falcons plans as far as their kick returning game, as well as the rotation along the offensive line. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, this season, get football in your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all the plays in just 45 minutes. With condensed games, go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years. I'm on Twitter at Falcons, and of course, the host of this illustrious Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast network your team every day and today we are wrapping up our week talking about the injury report updates from thursday got some good and bad news about certain players being upgraded certain players being downgraded and we'll tell you what that means for their upcoming matchup in week one against the seattle seahawks we'll talk a little bit about the clarity on the kick return battle that special teams coordinator Ben Katoka gave us and why Brandon Powell beat out Chris Rowland. And that will get us into a conversation about Rowland and, and why fans and the team may have been so high on him. And that will lead us into a conversation uh, potentially about Matt Hennessy and the news that the Falcons may still have him and James Carpenter, quote unquote, competing for that starting left guard spot, even during the regular season. So that competition is not quite over. We'll talk about that. And then we have a listener question. Uh, he, is asking about Stephen Means and what are my thoughts on him? He asks about Dion Buchanan and you know my thoughts on him. And I think this was related to when the Falcons cut uh, Dion Buchanan upon bringing back Stephen Means a couple of days ago, uh, and he asked his question to be answered on the podcast then. And so now we're like two days later, and so he's getting his answer uh, today. So. That's what we're talking about on today's episode. I should let you guys know in full disclosure, I am actually recording this episode during the first quarter of the Thursday night game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. So if you hear me pause, it's because Patrick Mahomes just threw a dime to Tyreek Hill for 44 yards or something like that. Um, but, you know, probably you won't hear that because I will edit it out of the podcast. But uh, just full disclosure, uh, without further ado, let's sort of get into that Locked On Falcons lead story, talking about the injury updates from Thursday's practice with the Falcons. So first, the good news from Thursday's practice with the Falcons wide receiver Russell Gage was upgraded on Thursday's practice report to a full participant after being limited on Wednesday with a groin injury, meaning Gage is on track to be a full goal for Sunday's season opener against the Seattle Seahawks. The other good news was that despite missing Thursday's practice, center Alex Mack's absence was due to the 34-year-old getting a day off and not related to injury. However, the bad news is that Falcons defensive tackle Marlon Davidson was downgraded on Thursday and did not practice due to a knee injury that had him limited on Wednesday. Also, fellow rookie cornerback A.J. Terrell suffered a hamstring injury partway through Thursday's practice, putting both players' ability to make their NFL debuts versus Seattle in jeopardy. Other key notes from Thursday's practice included no changes to the statuses of cornerback Kendall Sheffield and defensive in Charles Harris as both missed their second consecutive day of practice with foot and ankle injuries, respectively. On the positive side, you also didn't have changes to the statuses of center Matt Hennessy and defensive end Dante Fowler, both of whom 
fully participated once again on Thursday after being initially listed on the practice report on Wednesday, as they seem to be overcoming the knee and ankle injuries that caused them to miss practices last week. If Davidson cannot play, then the Falcons will likely turn to second year defensive lineman, John Kaminsky to fill his shoes on Sunday as the running mate next to Grady Jarrett at defensive tackle on passing downs. Kaminsky is a player that Falcons head coach Dan Quinn has praised repeatedly this summer as one that has made the jump entering his second NFL season. And that certainly could be put to the test against the Seahawks offensive line this coming Sunday. In Terrell's case, his injury is a bit more concerning due to the fact that Sheffield, the team's top backup cornerback, also looks like he's expected to miss Sunday's game, barring a major change in his status come Friday. Terrell is expected to start for the Falcons at the left cornerback position. And if he cannot play, the Falcons are likely to turn to veteran corner Bleedy Ray Wilson as one of the team's three main corners against the Seahawks. The other two being starting right cornerback Isaiah Oliver and nickel cornerback Darquez Denard. If both Terrell and Sheffield are forced to sit on Sunday, it'd leave the Falcons with just three healthy cornerbacks on the roster since their sixth corner and second-year player Jordan Miller is suspended for the first three games of the season. Ray Wilson's insertion into the starting lineup probably won't disrupt the Falcons game plan too much as they tend to rely on their zone coverage when he's in the game and have done so for the last couple of seasons since Ray Wilson first joined the Falcons and playing that zone coverage is probably what the Falcons were already likely to do again this weekend against Seattle. But Ray Wilson's insertion into the lineup would certainly make things a little harder if and when the team turns to their man coverage, which they tend to do on critical third downs. The Falcons are set to face one of the league's ascending wide receiver duos in Seattle's Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and any concerns they might have in their secondary don't bode well for them in that regard, which puts more emphasis on the team's pass rush to step up and pick up the slack. And obviously the potential loss of Davidson hurts them in that regard as well. So none of these injuries are insurmountable for a Falcons team that is an underdog going into Sunday versus the Seahawks, but obviously is not helping their cause. So guys, there's your Locked On Falcons lead story for today, and we're going to move on and get into uh, the battle for the kick return spot and why Brandon Powell beat out Chris Rowland, who was the heavy favorite entering the summer. And that will lead us into a conversation about the Falcons plans at left guard. Trust me, when I hit that segue, it'll make all sense to you. Um, But before we get into that, maybe you're the type of person that can't catch every game live, or maybe you're the type of person that's podcasting during a game and thus will have to rely on some other way to be able to watch every snap of every game this upcoming season. And of course I can do so you can do so by checking out with NFL game pass. You can catch every snap from every game with the full game replays, revisit the all 22 with the coaches film. And if you don't have the time to sit down for three hours, you can just watch every snap of any game with the condensed version, which is just 45 minutes long. It's all the action, all the football you can handle in all in one place. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL game pass film sessions. So you can check out Deshaun Watson, George Kittle, Adam Thielen, and get inside the player's perspective as they break down the concepts and techniques that make them some of the best in the biz. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive, so go ahead, catch up on Good Morning Football, Football Life, and Hard Knocks. Get it all by going to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. 
So it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. And luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets too chaotic. CBD Freeze with menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need when it matters most and to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else that CBD MD has to offer. They're offering our listeners 25% off on your next order. When you use the promo code locked on NFL at checkout, once again, that's CBDMD.com promo code locked on NFL for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBD MD Falcons special teams. Coordinator Ben Cottequette spoke to the media on Thursday after practice, and we got some clarity sort of why Powell won the job over Chris Rowland, who was considered the favorite, as I mentioned before, entering the summer by myself and many others. And it sounded like Cottequette basically said Powell won the job because he did a better job securing the ball, implying that Rowland did muff some punts during the summer, which isn't too surprising, given that one of the things I discussed when we talked about Rowland back, I think, in May when we did our undrafted class breakdown was that in the all-star game, which I believe was the shrine bowl this past year, he did muff his first punt return attempt, which was not a promising sign or necessarily a promising first impression for me, at least. And, you know, I know people are going to sit here and say this, this is all hindsight, but you know, I never really understood the rolling hype. Um, you know, I, I, I got why people were hopeful for what he could be as a return specialist, but the way that some people talked about him, was that he was going to be some sort of offensive weapon for the Falcons, which was always beyond me. You know, he's a five, six wide receiver. How many guys have been successful on offense in at that size in the NFL? Like zero. I don't, I don't know. I can't even think of one. So to me, that was a classic case of people. I think pr- presumably looking at the Saints' success when they found an undrafted free agent last year in Deontay Harris, who I thought potentially could have been on the Falcons radar over someone like a Marcus green, who is a five, six wide receiver. That was an undrafted free agent. And, you know, looking at Harris's success and saying, Oh, like Roland can do the same thing. Um, you know, and to Harris's credit, he's a very good return specialist in the NFL. Uh, he was last year. was one of the better return specialists in the league, particularly as a punt returner last season. Um, but when you look at his, Production on offense, you know, he had 10 touches as a rookie for a total of 55 yards, which is not that impressive. It's basically, you know, it was jet sweeps and screens. And that was all I ever really envisioned for Roland here in Atlanta, which, again, it's not nothing, you know. And, again, we can sit here and say that maybe a Sean Payton type of play caller would be more creative than a dirt cutter type of play caller. But we're not going to get in that today. Um, but, you know, I imagine a lot of the hype was – because people got like Taylor Gabriel vibes from Chris Rowland, which in my opinion is just kind of reason number 482, why a lot of people still don't get why Taylor Gabriel was good. And they just kind of see uh, any sort of short kind of fast wide receiver as the, the quote unquote next Taylor Gabriel. But we're not going to get into that today. And, you know, the whole Roland Harris thing relates to sort of my thoughts on the Matt Hennessy thing, particularly when we talk about, you know, people thinking Roland was going to be Deontay Harris because Deontay Harris exists. And so therefore Chris Roland is a five, six 
return specialist. So he's going to be the next Deontay Harris. And the reason why that relates to Matt Hennessy, because I think that's part of the, my issue with the whole Hennessy conversion to guard, um, which is that, you know, I think the Falcons and maybe other people are looking at the success that Elton Jenkins had with green Bay last year as a college center that made the successful transition to left guard for the Packers last year. And assuming that, Hey, well, if Jenkins can do it, then Hennessy can do it. And I think that, assumption kind of fundamentally un- misunderstands the differences between Jenkins and Hennessy and, and fundamentally doesn't understand that those two guys are different players uh, and different prospects. You know, Jenkins, I believe played all five positions during his career at Mississippi state, not just center and has a much more physical style of, of, of play that I think making that transition to guard was not that difficult for him to make. While Hennessy, I think is a great athlete, but is more of a finesse style of player that I think makes center his natural position, but we'll see, you know, I've said many, many times I'm skeptical of Hennessy's ability at the guard position. Um, but that relates, you know, this is one area where I will give Hennessy a little bit more benefit of the doubt when we talk about the possibility, as Dan Quinn mentioned, I believe on Thursday, that Hennessy and, and James Carpenter, or maybe it was Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday, yeah, uh, that Hennessy and James Carpenter would continue to be, quote unquote, competing at the left guard position early in the season. And I, I saw some people react to that in a negative way on Twitter. That's not necessarily my reaction to hearing that news. And, um, you know, it's not going to necessarily allow you to build the continuity as quickly as you would want along your offensive line. We know that's important to have those five guys working in sync. Um, and so if you're going to have Hennessy and, and Carpenter splitting snaps for a week or two or whatever, um, that's not going to help in that regard. But frankly, you know, if Hennessy is ultimately the guy that you want to have the job, getting him out on the field sooner rather than later makes a lot of sense. And if the Falcons feel that his absence in practices over the last couple of weeks means that he's not in full game shape to play all, you know, 65 to 75 snaps that he might wind up playing on Sunday against Seattle. Uh, and thus that means, you know, Carpenter should be out there for 25 or 35 or 45 snaps or whatever. Then so be it, you know, and, you got to remember, we did this with Caleb McGarry last year, a similar situation with him missing most of the summer uh, in, in his first NFL start against Minnesota in that week one game. Ty Sambrello did play about 33 snaps in that season opener. Then Sambrello played another 28 snaps in week two against Philadelphia. And when you look at the snap breakdown for those two guys, McGarry played about 57% of the snaps over the first two games, Sambrello about 43% of the snaps. And I don't feel like that was particularly problematic for the Falcons last year, at least in terms of the fact that they were platooning. You could certainly say, that you know neither one it was problematic because the Falcons couldn't block Daniel Hunter or Daniel Hunter and um, you know Brandon Graham and, and whoever else but that wasn't because they were rotating those guys and platooning those guys it's just those guys couldn't block those guys you know so like I don't think it would have mattered it, you know and you can argue that it could have been a lot worse uh, if they didn't platoon those guys but you know I think if the Falcons plan is to get you know Hennessy's feet wet in week one and then by week two or three, he's fully poised to take over the job. And so be it. Uh, you know, you guys know that I have a lot of issues when it comes to this team's decisions when they make along the offensive line. But this is not one of them for me. It's just I don't think that's an issue. You know, I have an issue more with the team pushing Hennessy into the starting lineup in general. But I also have such a low opinion of James Carpenter that if he if Hennessy winds up being the better man. And again, despite my questioning whether Hennessy is a great fit at guard, I do believe that his ceiling is much, much higher playing that left guard spot, particularly in the run game because of his ability to make those blocks on the second level than Carpenter's is in this outside zone scheme. And so if 
again, if Hennessy's the best man, then so be it. So that's kind of how I feel about it. And if he has to play 40% or 60% of the snaps for the first week or two, then so be it. You know, I don't have a strong take on that. Like, you know, the coaches and the, you know, I, I know I don't get a lot of credit for giving the coaches and the team the benefit of the doubt, but this is one of those instances where like this training staff knows way more about how Hennessy and Carpenter are conditioning. And that's not something like I will question Chris Morgan all day long and his ability to coach and develop offensive linemen. I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, this training staff clearly doesn't know what they're doing. You know, I got that that's way beyond me. So that's where I will say about that. We will continue today's episode by getting into a question about Steven means and Dayon Buchanan and sort of what their roles would potentially be for this team and thoughts on the team's roster moves earlier this week in regards to those guys. But before we get there, I got to plug the Locked On NFL podcast where you guys on tomorrow's episode can check out Keon Myers and Bo Brack, who are going to be breaking down this Chiefs Texans game on the Locked On NFL podcast. Of course, check out Ryan Tracy and Chris Clark on Locked On Chiefs and Cody Davis and John Hickman on Locked On Texans as well. If you want to get further insights into this season opening game, on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever you're listening to me right now. So our question uh, from Jay Halim on Twitter, he asked a couple of days ago, he said, I'm not a Stephen Means fan. What are your thoughts on him? And also, I thought Dayon Buchanan would have been a bigger asset for this defense because of his versatility. What are your thoughts on these moves? I liked Means when I first started noticing him back towards the end of the 2017 season when he was still with the Eagles. I thought when we scooped him up in 2018 that he was asked to play a different role than what he was used to, and it took him some time to find his legs, and that role was filling in as the sort of strong side defensive end when Derek Shelby got hurt. Uh, but I thought towards the end of the season down the stretch, I thought Means played really well for us along the defensive line. I think he was probably one of our three or four best players over those last three or four games. It was like him, Grady Jarrett, and Tack McKinley, I thought, really stood out down the stretch at the end of the 2018 season for the Falcons. You know, I think the issue with means in that role though, he's not traditionally built the way and, and plays the style that you want traditionally in that strong side defensive end, which is more of a five technique, which is more of a hold the point of attack type of role um, than necessarily this sort of attacking, penetrating, pin your ears back and get upfield. That's more the type of player that Steven means has found success in, um, in Philadelphia. And I thought did a good job being more of that disruptor in that role against the run and getting some pressure on the quarterback over the last couple of games than necessarily what Derek Shelby had shown in that particular season. Shelby had been very effective in that role in 2017, but not so much in 2018, thanks to injury. But now the concern with Steven means is the coming off of the Achilles. And we talked with Dr. Sharif Taba, who helped Keanu Neal with his rehab earlier this summer on the podcast. And one of the things that uh, Dr. Reef mentioned in that episode is that one of the reasons why the Achilles injury is so hard to come back from it is particularly problematic when it comes to explosion and, and burst and the ability to drive. Um, and obviously when you're a safety, when it, you know, you want that ability to drive when you're backpedaling and then you got to plant that foot in the ground and come downhill, whether that's to deliver a hit to a tight end on a curl route or a wide receiver crossing the middle, or it's to fill a lane, you know, in run support when the running back sort of tearing up the middle, that's important. And obviously when you're a pass rusher like Steven means, and you're coming off the edge, you want to have that ability to drive and plant and explode up field so that you can get in the pocket, whether you're, it's as a run defender or as a pass rusher. So obviously I think, 
coming off of that Achilles injury is a lot more problematic for a player like Means, who his game was reliant on being more of that disruptive player than it would be for a Derek Shelby type or a Tyson Jackson type or even an Allen Bailey type who's more of that hold the point of attack and let me just sort of use my strength to bully guys than necessarily let me use my burst and speed up field to attack in the backfield. But we did see Croy Bierman, you know, who plays the same role or a similar role that Stephen Means plays now as a defensive end, come back from that injury back in 2014. We saw Corey Peters, another defensive lineman, come back from that injury back in 2014 as well. Croy got hurt in September of 2013 and then by, you know, kind of struggled in the first half of the 2014 season. But I thought by the second half of the season, you know, after the bye week around weeks nine, 10 or whenever that was. In, in November of 2014 started looking closer to the version of his older self pre-injury um, and, and started playing well for the Falcons down the stretch that year. I thought Peters, you know, never, his game was never really about explosiveness. He was more of a sort of anchoring nose tackle, one technique type of guy, which was part of the reason why I was anti Paul Solii uh, signing not to go on too much of a tangent here, but you know, in addition to the absorbent amount of money that the Falcons paid Solii, like it was like, Corey Peters is just as good as Paul Solei in, in terms of that. He's not as big, but does the job just as ably as Solei because Peters is a little bit more disruptive than Solei, who's just simply, you know, uh, tries to be a black hole in the middle, but really wasn't for the Falcons. But, you know, Peters got hurt in December of 2013. And by the time sever- September of 2014 rolled around, he was fine, you know, and outperforming guys like Jackson and Solei, despite minimal snaps at the start of that season. Um, you also had Brent Grimes who tore his ACL. I mean, I'm sorry, his Achilles in September of 2012. And then, you know, didn't come back in Atlanta, but went to Miami and at least based off his pro football focus grade in the following year in 2013 was the top five cornerback for the dolphins that year. And one of the con- contributing factors to why Grimes wound up being a pro football focus all decade player, because he continued to play well after that injury. So clearly there are, Numerous examples, certainly ones we've dealt with in the Falcons here over the last you know six, seven years that have had success coming back from this Achilles injury. So certainly that's no reason to sit here and doubt guys like Stephen Means and guys like Keanu and their ability to come back. It's just the question is you never know, and you never know what that timetable is. Is it going to be a season and a half like it was for Corey Bierman? Is it going to be nine to ten months like it was for someone like a Corey Peters or Brent Grimes? You never know. And so that can disrupt your ability to win football games. If you're having a key player uh, in Keanu Neal's case, not so much with Stephen means his case, who's really primarily probably going to be a rotational run defender for the Falcons and probably will be playing more of a Leo role for the Falcons. Since the Falcons have Alan Bailey and John Kaminsky uh, to play that strong side defensive end spot, but you, you just never know. So uh, to answer your second question about Deion Buchanan's versatility, I tend to think th- the hype around Buchanan, his versatility is a little bit overblown. I'm assuming a lot of people were thinking his versatility was that he could play not only linebacker, but he could also dabble as a strong safety. Um, you know, my thoughts on Buchanan as a linebacker is when you hear all the sort of negative things that I say about Deion Jones with him being sort of soft against the run. Um, but like, to me, what Buchanan is, is like, if you take away Deion's speed, you take his range, you take away his playmaking skills, especially in coverage, you get kind of Deion Buchanan. So you get some of the, you get all of the negatives and very few of the positives. Uh, now, I don't think that makes Buchanan a bad player. Um, and I think when you look at Buchanan, particularly as a safety convert, I think, I think you can certainly make the, a very compelling argument that as an alternative, as a backup to Keanu Neal, 
instead of players like Kamal Ishmael or J.J. Wilcox or maybe even uh, Jalen Hawkins, uh, depending on what you think about him, is Deion Buchanan a better option should Neil go down than any of those three guys? Maybe. Um, but I think that's more a reflection on those guys not necessarily being great options than necessarily a sign that Buchanan is a good option in that regard. So I want to make it clear. I don't think Buchanan's a bad player. I think his experience makes him a very known commodity for the Falcons and certainly a capable to decent starter. If he was forced into the lineup due to an injury, Um, I think he's better than say what we've had in the past with guys like Duke Riley, although shout out to Duke Riley, all the reports are indicating he's going to start for the Eagles. He's named a special teams captain. Seems like he's turning his life around in Philadelphia. So good on him. You know, we wish it could have happened here in Atlanta, but unfortunately it didn't. And, you know, if he winds up being a successful player and playing, you know, seven plus years for the Eagles and being a very good starter for them, then, you know, great for the Eagles. You know, they they fleece the Falcons, <laughs> giving us John Nathan Cyprian, who I think just got cut by the 49ers. So Howie Roseman strikes again. <laughs> but like uh, getting back to the whole thing about Buchanan. You know, I think there was this expectation because of Buchanan's draft status, being that former first round pick, having some success early in his career and being a named player that a lot of people recognize, even relatively casual f- football fans know his name. I think there was this idea when we signed him that he was going to be this integral part of our defense. Um, and I don't know if that's quite true. Uh, I think Buchanan was basically signed because the Falcons realized in mid-May that they were one injury to Deion Jones or Foyer Olakun away from having to start Leroy Reynolds. That's how thin their depth was at linebacker. And at that time, you got to remember, even though they had drafted Michael Walker, they didn't really know what they had in Michael Walker. So I think Buchanan going on the practice squad is a is probably somewhat related to Michael Walker's emergence and the Falcons feeling pretty confident in their depth at the linebacker position. If there was a, a freak injury to Jones or Olakun, that caused them to miss time this upcoming weekend. They can get by for at least one game with Buchanan on the practice squad uh, because of Michael Walker's emergence at that spot. So, you know, I think there's a good chance that we could see Buchanan back on the roster, particularly after this week, if guys along the defensive line and now at cornerback can get healthy. And so the Falcons can then afford to bring, you know, a fifth linebacker to the roster because they don't have depth issues along the defensive line, which I think is the main reason why they cut Buchanan instead of a guy like Jacob Tuody Manor because of the injuries to Stephen means or Stephen means coming back from the injury because of Charles Harris, because of Marlon Davidson, having an extra body on the defensive line is a little bit more important than having an extra body at the linebacker position. And as we've talked about before, you know, the fact that the Falcons potentially are going to play a lot more three safety looks in their base defense, which is what I'm assuming they're going to do at least this week. We'll see if that continues to be a trend throughout the rest of the season means that you don't necessarily need as strong linebacker depth, at least to get through this one game again, getting through this one game. But, um, you know, hopefully in my eyes, the, the ideal role for beginning this upcoming season is hopefully he's just going to play special teams and play a similar role to what Olakun played last year, which was a part-time defensive player um, whenever sort of a starter needed a breather and primarily played on special teams. But obviously, as we got further into last season, Olakun's role changed and his usage increased in large part thanks to, in my eyes, Devondre Campbell not being good. And a shout out to Devondre Campbell. We've already given a shout out to Duke Riley, but let's give a shout out to Devondre Campbell. It's been a while since we slandered him on this podcast. So uh, shout out to Devondre Campbell and being bad. Um, you know, good luck in Arizona. I- I'll be rooting for you. You know, I, you know, despite my numerous slander of Devondre Campbell over the last four years, I, you know, I'm hopeful like I am for Duke Riley that he turns it around and, you know, that'll just be further testament of why, Hot take, Jeff Holbrook's not a good coach. But, like, 
I'll, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not prepared to die on that hill, but if, if it comes to Riley succeeding in Philadelphia and then Campbell blossoming in Arizona, like to me, like I rest my case, but, uh, you know, that's the end of it guys today. Football is back. Go uh, check out NFL game pass. If you're like me and you missed the first quarter of Thursday night's game and you, you need to go back and, and, and catch these dimes from uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and Deshaun Watson running for his life or, you know, whatever, is typical of a Texans and chiefs game. So uh, definitely check out NFL game pass and, and definitely check out CBDMD, um, where if you use that co- promo code locked on NFL at checkout, you'll get 25% off your next order and uh, check out locked on NFL podcast, as well as subscribe to the locked on Falcons podcast. If you haven't already, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You're making bad choices. If you aren't subscribed to this podcast, give us an iTunes rating five stars. If you think we deserve it less, if you don't think we deserve it, but Hey, give me some constructive criticism, preferably not just saying two stars. And this guy's a know it all, you know, give me some constructive criticism, uh, on ways that I can up your, your two star, three star, four star rating one star. You know, you're wasting my time. If you're, if you're doing that, you're not helping anybody by getting me a one star. So, uh, now that I say that, of course, many of you are like, I'm going to troll Aaron and give him a one star review. Um, you know, live your life. However you want to live it. So there you guys have it. Appreciate you listening for another week. We'll be back on Sunday evening with a rapid reaction. I probably will wind up recording that typically last year. If it goes the same, according to plan, you'll probably, that'll probably drop sometime between seven and 9 PM Eastern. That will be the Monday episode. But if you are so eager that you can't wait till Monday morning to, for your commute to get my rapid reaction to uh, this week's Seahawk Falcon game, you can probably catch it sometime late in the evening on the East coast. If you're out in the West coast, stay safe, you know, listen to those evacuation notices, please be safe out there guys. I know there's a sizable, uh, portion of listeners to this podcast that are out there in California. So be safe out there guys. Um, but yeah, you guys will get it a little bit earlier. You know, you might even get it in the afternoon on Sunday, uh, based off of your time frame. So, um, yeah, there you guys have it. Appreciate you tuning in for another week of locked on Falcons. We'll be back with another great week to talk all about, this weekend's game as well as getting you guys geared up for next weekend game you know we're going to be back in stride so until then guys you are locked on falcons your daily podcast on the atlanta falcons part of the locked on podcast network your team every day